wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fretz. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the Effing Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening to you are listening to you are listening to then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? Zach from the Wrestling Industries Podcast here. Welcome to episode 227 of the YLB Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Monday evening. I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are. And the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always... I greatly and truly appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. YLP is back in the swing of things, back to business, back from summer vacation. And I'm glad to be back. A nice little nine day, a 10 day vacay. Uh, I know I took yesterday off to ensure uh, I finished uh, covering and checking out uh, New Japan Cup final and Dominion and what was a, what I'm calling a midsummer weekend dream. Um, again, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. As always, uh, before we get into everything that I want to discuss today, um, I want to let you guys know, um, Denver was fantastic. Uh, I visited all my buddies out there, met some new friends um, while I was out there. Shout out to all of them. Shout out to my homie Jake, my homie Chris, uh, his, uh, my friend Jake's cousin, uh, Mike. Shout out to Austin, uh, shout out to Nick, uh, Tim, and everybody I met out there, you know, it was really cool to meet all of you guys, and you guys have been incredible buddies, good times all around, um, and I appreciate you uh, for your patience, and shout out to the entire War Gang uh, for uh, covering for me in my absence, um, much appreciated, thank you guys so much to uh, Ricky, of course, to Kate, to Will, Frets to Mr. Uh, Man Chappelle, Mr. The Dark, Mr. The Light Show, The Light Show, Man Chappelle himself. Um, I thank all y'all um, for you know handling business in my absence. Um, I was told by Ricky himself, "Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about you know podcast anything. Enjoy yourself, have a good time, and you know go forth and just have fun." And I definitely did all of that. So appreciate you, Ricky, for. Uh, 
hit me up and just let me know um, all, the, all is good and appreciate you for uh, welcoming me back uh, when I came home uh, a couple weeks ago. But, but it is time to get back to business and of course, with every Monday after pay-per-views, it is time. And of course, I think it's a good time for the first time in six months to do the good, the bad, and the ugly that was New Japan Cup Finals and Dominion Weekend. But we're going to do things a little bit differently. Normally, I would do the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, what I liked about the show, what I really wasn't digging about the show, and what I thought was pretty piss poor. Um, this time around, I uh, just simply want to do just a simple review. Nothing too crazy. You know, we'll still do, you know, everything in the good, the bad, and the ugly format. Um, just in a different way. We're just going to talk about, you know, what happened with the New Japan Cup Finals and Dominion um, from this past Saturday and Sunday. Starting off, um, let's talk about the... I'm pretty sure this covered everything, and what I see on TierShot.com, which is what I use to kind of eat off of, just to make sure I have all my ducks in a row in terms of, you know, know, what I really want to talk about, and what I do love about this portion of the program with Mitchell's uh, coverage of both... um, New Japan uh, Cup Finals and Dominion is that he basically only covered the most important match of the show, which for the most part is New Japan's MO. Now, granted that, you know, with the shows, um, they do have a lot of matches that really don't pertain to much. Um, some of it uh, with New Japan's format, they usually more so get you primed and ready for certain matches that are going to be going down during an event. Or, you know, example, uh, G1 Climax. Usually you'll see, like, eight-man, six-man tag team matches featuring uh, match, uh, matchups um, with uh, team, with got, you know, teams of uh, participants who are in the G1 Climax will be facing each other usually the next day for their particular block. Um, in terms of New Japan and New Japan Cup Finals and Dominion, they kind of pretty much went in the same format. So most of the matches you see from New Japan Cup Finals card, carry over into Dominion Sunday. And as most of y'all do know, I am a huge fan of Dominion. This is basically NJPW SummerSlam, in a sense. And the fact that they had it in July was pretty cool. What I love even more is that they really emphasize, you know, these are this being a very big weekend for them. And this was a very big weekend for them, given the fact that this is the first time um, that they now have fans back in the swing of things. Now, it was only, if I remember correctly, uh, at uh, 500 people um, or a third capacity that they usually would carry shows in Osaka Joe Hall. And Osaka Joe Hall, if you've watched the New Japan Cup show before, especially for Dominion, um, they usually go big with these shows. Like I said, uh, Wrestle Kingdom is one of their biggest shows, is their biggest show of the year. It's their WrestleMania Dominion is their SummerSlam. The G1 Climax is kind of like King of the Ring in a sense. Um, and then like you have like off-tournaments off like World Tag League, um, Best of the Super Juniors, which was unfortunately canceled due to uh, coronavirus, be damned. And shows like that. So they have a lot jam-packed into you know their shows throughout the year, which is always a win in and of itself. I can't stress it enough. I love 
New Japan for having these types of shows throughout the year, which is a great thing for a lot of us fans who are enjoying NJPW. And the fact that they were able to, with the Together special, with the NJPW uh, Together specials, um, they were able to just have matches for the people. No crowd in those particular shows. And now they're getting back into the swing of things with bringing fans back in. And so I want to talk about the most important thing from this. And it's not evil at all. We'll, we'll discuss that um, throughout today's episode. Um, but the most important thing I want to stress from this past weekend's shows for New Japan is that they, to be truthfully honest, with all the stuff that's been going on with WWE uh, and their coronavirus issues and how they've been handling it, um, you know, New Japan, dare I say, actually got it right in terms of, you know, make, ensuring, you know, fans were coming in a, in a, pot, in a good manner. Um, all, I think, I believe all fans were wearing masks in the crowd, which is usually normal for a lot of um, uh, the Asian community, especially over in Japan. Um, if you have, I, I've never gone to Japan personally, but I know for a fact that, it, um, you know, with the air quality over in uh, Japan, sometimes people will be wearing masks. You know, that's the, it's just part of the culture. Um, also, I believe they did temperature checks at the door and ensuring that they only had a certain amount of people come into the arena. Now, over time, they will be adding more. They will be doubling in size in terms of... Um, I believe they went from like 500 and now they're going to be going more than likely to 1,000 fans. And we also know that they're going to be doing two more shows um, next week. I believe one show is going to be on the 20th and another show coming up on the 25th. So pretty much next Monday and next Saturday they're going to be having shows. Um, And I'm very excited to see about that. Now, I personally will be covering those um, in any capacity, I may check them out as much as I possibly can. Um, the next time, more than likely, I do a New Japan coverage, anything will more than likely be for the G1 Climax. Usually, G1 will be going down in the summer. But for the simple fact that Tokyo was supposed to hold the Olympics this year, and unfortunately it got canceled, um, they pushed it to the fall. That now have been the first time in, in New Japan's history, and possibly the only time in their history that, excuse me, that they would... Um, have, you know, a tournament like this in the fall. Also, um, it was an opportunity, especially for the New Japan Cup tournament, to allow heavyweights, junior heavyweights, and young lions to be involved in this tournament, given the fact that um, there's a bit of a ban going on with um, talent that are, you know, gaijin, outsiders, uh, from, you know, outsiders outside of um, Japan, that we're going to be involved in this tournament because of the coronavirus. So it was a very, very unique uh, tournament to allow, and this allowed, you know, young lions like Uemura, Suji, uh, Kid, Gabriel Kid, and talent like that, uh, the possibility to take on um, talent from the New Japan roster. So with, with all that being said, I really do think that New Japan what did right by not only the people, the fans, they did right by their the talent, their roster as well, which is fantastic. They really went about it in a way where they wanted to ensure the safety of their fans. That's not to say WWE didn't do that. It just went about it a completely wrong way. 
And now they're getting a lot of backlash for what has happened over the past couple of weeks. That being said, though, I'm going to stop rambling. We need to get into talking about New Japan Cup, the finals. And the three matches that Mitchell has up on the chairshot.com is the eight-man tag with Suzuki Goon taking on Tanahashi, Ibushi, Nagata, and Taguchi. Um, the six-man tag with Los Ingobernadores de Japón taking on Chaos. And the New Japan Cup finals itself with uh, Kazuchika Okada taking on Evil to determine who would face Naito in the in the uh, double championship match that went down this past Sunday. Um, so let's get into it. Now, if you're looking at just New Japan Cup as a whole, this was a rather good show. I wouldn't say it's the best show they've put on in 2020. I think Wrestle Kingdom right now really stands as the top of the... Uh, the top of the list in terms of shows, Wrestle Kingdom 14, if I'm not mistaken. They really did everything they could, especially with the fact that there was the first ever full-on weekend uh, to the two-day extravaganza. And if you want to go check that out, you can check that out um, over on, of course, uh, Ambiguous Pocket. Now I'm in this um, Over on Anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective and Anchor.fm slash Wrestle Addict Radio. You can also listen to this podcast over on AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com. Uh, leave a comment over on AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com. If you want to leave a comment, hit me up with a voice message over on Anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective and Anchor.fm slash Wrestle Addicts Radio. Um, if you have any, if you're going to be talking to me over on Wrestle Addicts Radio, make sure you put YLP in the title so I know that you're referring to me. And if I like it enough, I will have no problem featuring it on a future episode of the YLP Podcast. And I'll talk about all the other places you can check this podcast out as well towards the end of today's episode. Let's get into the most important thing about New Japan Cup Finals. And that is, of course, the finals themselves. Uh, The matchup between Okada versus Evil. This was... Now, this was a really decent final. This is a really solid final between Okada and Evil. And Evil winning this matchup in about 32 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, This was a decent matchup. Um, For the simple fact that, you know, it had a lot of um, surprises, I would say, going into it. Problem is, though, I checked my Instagram and I pretty much already knew what was going to be going down with the New Japan Cup Final. And then what happened on Dominion Sunday, which unfortunately sucks for me, as I am one to attempt my to try my hardest to not find spoilers or have spoilers find me. It just so happened I woke up Sunday morning and happened to see Evil winning the final of the New Japan Cup, but also becoming the the new double champion over on the New Japan side. We'll get into all that when we cover Dominion Sunday. But I did like this matchup between Okada versus Evil. But for the simple fact that New Japan Final Saturday set up everything for Dominion Sunday. It really did. Now, Evil winning 
the New Japan Cup, personally, to me, was not the worst thing that could have actually happened. I thought I was perfectly fine with this. I was thinking, man, stablemate versus stablemate final, evil versus Naito. This this is scream G one climax for me. I was thoroughly pleased, you know, with the fact that evil evil won the tournament. I was shocked. Um, I know, given the fact that if there if there was no coronavirus, guys like Jay White, maybe a Tamatanga, maybe a Will Ospreay would be involved. Maybe a Jeff Cobb, a possible John Moxley would uh, showing up would be a, a solid possibility, given the fact that he still is the current reigning and defending IWGP United States champion. Um, I know there would have been a lot of more participants, and I think the field would have been supremely stacked. Big time. That's not to say this tournament wasn't bad. What I loved about Evil's road to the final was that he really showed more of a dark side to him. Usually with LIJ, um, if you were talking about LIJ five years ago, when it first became started becoming LIJ, you could easily say they were heels, hands down. And Naito was getting the brunt of it. He was getting a lot of shit, given the fact that he won the G1 Climax, um, I think the year prior. And he really did not get a lot of love for winning the G1 Climax. And a lot of fans were hoping Okada would be Naito, um, at, Res- at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and which he did. He defeated Naito in a one-on-one matchup, and fans were happy with the result. Now, as of late, they have become fan favorite, a fan-favorite stable within New Japan. A lot of people love this in LIJ. I'm a huge LIJ. I'm a huge fan of all the stables, to be truthfully honest. I'm a big fan of just New Japan itself. LIJ kind of has a special place in my heart, given the fact that you, you have a crew like in Evil, Sonata, Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo Takagi, which was their latest uh, pickup, and of course, Naito himself. Evil votes to me personally. I know Marley is legit. Was one of the, was a guy where I felt he definitely was, you know, I was hoping he would get a shot. I was hoping that, you know, he would really, 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 really would be able to come into his own, start gunning for never open weight championships, IWGP Intercontinental Championship matches. You know, I wasn't personally thinking of him as world heavyweight champion, but Skirio. That's just me personally. Um, him winning the final, though, really surprised me with the fact that um, I was thinking, I, I said on the lawns, stable and made for stable and made final. Why not? You know, G1 climb with G1 climax, you're gonna face stablemate versus stablemate. Um, it'd be like that. So in the semis, I know Evil and face off against Sonata, and Evil really went into his evil bag and clocked the living hell out of Sonata with a few chair shots. He had pretty much done that throughout the entire tournament, and really just became very dark and mysterious and you know truly evil, living up to his name. And I was just really surprised that, you know, he came into his character with this. Um, He was winning by any means necessary. And why not? You know, was New Japan really right to, was in their, um, did they make the right call personally? I think so. 
to be truthfully honest, Okada Naito was is a matchup I'm always willing to see because I am a fan of both guys. And I really like to see them battle. They have had great battles in the years that I've been watching New Japan. But there's something about Evil winning the tournament that really made me think, what are they setting up? And what they set up was for Evil to turn on not just Naito, but the entire stable of Los Ingobernables de Japón. After Evil defeated Okada, after Yujiro Takahashi, and I believe Gato um, was the one to um, help Naito win, uh, not Naito, um, Evil win was, you know, it was very interesting, you know, because for all I knew at the time, and I pretty much blocked out the spoilers in my head. Um, I was very surprised that you would have Takahashi and Gato. I just want to make sure. Let me see. Yeah, yep. Gato and uh, Takahashi comes out. So after, because Bullet Club and Chaos are still still at odds. Um, stable warfare, of course. And you have then Okada and Evil down, Red Shoes unaware of what went down. You know. It really was one of those like situations like, okay, are they helping Evil to screw over Okada? I was kind of thinking like that. I wasn't aware of the turn. I wasn't aware that Evil was going to turn on LIJ, which is insane. I was thinking, okay, Bullet Club screws over Okada. Okada now has beef again with uh, Bullet Club. But after the uh, everything is evil, he gets the victory. And after five attempts from uh, what Okada calls his new new finishing move, uh, what he calls deep in debt, which is uh, was a Cobra Clutch pretty much for the most part, and that pretty much helped him get to the tournament. And from what I had heard, Takahashi and Okada had a banger of a semi um, that I may have to go back and check out for sure because that matchup was, from what I had saw on uh, Instagram, was a straight-up banger. And if you tell me Takahashi Okada was a banger, um, or at least they said, uh, well, what I've read, pretty much I equated to it being a straight-up banger. Well, then, you have my attention. So I'll be checking that out on my own time um, after all is said. Probably sometime this week I'll probably check it out. Maybe I'll talk about it on Twitter or something to that effect. Evil then hits, uh, uh him in the junk, squaring, squaring a dang-dang, um, hits everything as evil, Evil wins the New Japan Cup tournament. Um, you then have Evil coming out, hitting a, uh, doing a speech. You know, saying, "Didn't I tell you the? Didn't I tell you the winner of the cup would be Evil?" Oi, Naito, get out here! Out comes Naito, belts in hand. 
grabs the grabs his mic and says he congratulates the King of Darkness. Lij is about to have a title match against itself. Bring it on, cabron! Puts up the Lij fist bump, and you saw Evil having the fist ball, going up to meet his fist, but throwing up the Bullet Club hand gesture. And immediately hits everything is evil on Naito. Evil defects to Bullet Club. Evil in Bullet Club? Evil is now in Bullet Club. That is insane because I personally thought with LIJ, they were inseparable. You know, and of course, Evil and Sonata were former tag team partners, are now former tag team partners. One of the best heavyweight tag teams they have in the game, period. I was shocked. I was shocked. Yes, I knew Evil won the tournament. I didn't know what happened after. I was shocked. Completely shocked at the fact that Evil would turn on his own squad. It was insane. Jado Ishimori come out applauding Evil's actions. He, st- he takes the baseball cap that Naito usually wears, stomps on it. They low sweep night over Naito. Evil starts stomping out Naito. The rest of Lij comes out, and now Evil is now part of the Bullet Club. And as a person who is a huge fan of the Bullet Club, um, getting Evil over to the BC side was crazy, and I was listening to a little bit of uh, Tama Tonga's uh, podcast, Thomas Island, and he was hyped. He was like, whoo-hoo! Bullet Club is evil? But I'm not mad at the turn. I was shocked. And y'all know, it takes a lot for me to be shocked at something. This was the pros- one of the biggest shocks of, shocks of 2020, period in the world of professional wrestling. Because now, Evil has won the New Japan Cup. And I love that trophy. It is sexy. I want a replica of it. I want to know if I could find it. More than likely it costs like a billion dollars. But, but man, ah, man, whoo, Evil, Evil it was crazy. It's crazy. Um, now, this is what Mitchell said about uh, Okada versus Evil. Quote, Okada versus Evil was very plotting and methodical, but issues of pace make some sense because these two have made it all the way to the end, so they'd be sore and beat up. It was all great. And in the moment, the Bullet Club joining in made no sense, though it could also have branched into Okada and Chaos versus Bullet Club all over again. Evil winning was still perfectly surprising, but what a shock for Evil to be leading LIJ. Evil is Bullet Club now, and what a shock if he finds a way to win against Naito. LIJ versus Bullet Club sounds great too, but there's something I'm sure they'll address. What happened to the oh, never open weight six man tag team titles? Evil is one of the champions. Will this spot be vacated and another member of LIJ steps up? Maybe that's something for New Japan Road to handle too. All in all, this is great creativity from NJPW in the restart of their year, and he has nailed it. Evil is one-third of the never-open-weight six-man tag team champions, along with, I believe, if I'm correctly, um, Bushi. 
and Shingo Takagi, who's a double, who's also a double champion in uh, New Japan. Uh, he also holds the never uh, openweight six man tag, never openweight championship. So now it's kind of like, okay, what do you do now? Do you have Sonata take take over as one third of the never openweight six man tag team champions? Personally, I think that would make sense. No way for Evil to hold the belt with the faction that he's now defected from. It wouldn't make any sense. But, man, what a moment. That was the biggest moment of the show, hands down. What what a, what a big what a big moment for Evil. What a big moment. But I want to get into the tag matches because they are also part of the show and they are some of the most important parts of the show. Um, now, like I said before, usually with matchups that are going to be going down at the next show, they'll usually have a six or eight man tag um, to kind of give you a preview of what's going to be going down. And do I want to do the eight man tag? Yeah, let's talk about the eight man tag first. So it was ZSJ, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., Tai Chi, and who were the other two? I believe it was Desperado and Kanamaru, if I'm not mistaken. I want to see. Uh, yep, Kanamaru and was it Desperado? And Desperado. Okay, so Taichi, Saber Jr., Desperado, Kanamaru versus Tanahashi, um, Ibushi, Yuji Nagata, and Ryusuke Taguchi, the coach of Taguchi Japan. Uh, out. Tanahashi and Ibushi at the time were the current reigning and defending heavyweight IWGP heavyweight tag team champions, and they were going to face Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. on Dominion Sunday for those same tag team titles. This, I love these kinds of matchups. I love when they give you somewhat of a preview. Um, with Desperado and Kanemaru will have nothing to do with it, but it makes for a great matchup. I am a big fan of Kanemaru and Desperado as a junior heavyweight tag team. They are former junior heavyweight tag team champions, and I believe they had the record for the longest reign in New Japan's history for the junior heavyweight tag team championships. I think they were almost, I think they were a little over 400 days. Um, And I discussed that at length um, just a couple of years ago. Actually, I believe that I talked about that last year um, with this. It was a very, this was a fun eight-man tag. Uh, Again, this was more, this was, of course, focusing on ZSJ and Tai Chi against Tanahashi and Ibushi for the Tag Team Championships. Now, Suzuki-Goon does win by pin uh, with Desperado hitting the Pinche Loco on Taguchi. Um, this was fun. I love the fact that everybody got involved. Um, Taguchi, of course, you know, doing his thing with the Funky Women booty shot. Uh, Nagata, the veteran that he is, still beating the hell out of everybody and their grandma. Uh, Blue Justice all day. This this was fun. This was a really nice preview for the tag title match that would happen on Dominion Sunday. And after the matchup, they start brawling outside. Ibushi gets whipped into the barriers. Tai Chi choking him out with his foot. Young Lions and the referees trying to restore order, but Suzuki Goon don't give a fuck about you or your life. Um, now the Tigers will, you know, saying are taking the tag team championships, clinking it like it's champagne glasses. Abushi comes back into the ring, gets beat down. Um, he uh, ZSJ clawing Abushi's eyes, putting him in the neck crank. 
Uh, Taichi talking smack to the crowd. Tanahashi tries to fight back. Abushi fighting ZSJ off. Sling blade from Tanahashi. Um, so this was one of those things where, you know, we got this. It, it was a very fun eight man tag. Um, but we were pretty much going to be focusing on the tag team title match between the Tackers, the Dangerous Tackers, and the Golden Aces. And I'm a, and I was I was I was happy with this. A lot of good interaction between all eight men. Uh, a lot of focus on the tag team championship matchup that was going to take place on Dominion Sunday. Everybody got their shots in. Everybody hit their numbers. Really good stuff. Kanemaru and Desperado. I tell y'all, if they get back into the junior heavyweight championship scene, don't be surprised if they challenge Rapongi 3K for the championship. And speaking of Rapongi 3K, we had a, also had a six man tag team match with. Um, Los Ingobernables de Japón versus Chaos. In uh, this particular matchup, this was a preview of what the Never Openweight Championship match was going to be for Dominion between Cho, who is one half of the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, and Shingo Sakagi, who is one-third of the Never Openweight tag, uh, Six-Man Tag Team Champions, and the current reigning and defending Never Openweight Champion. And if I'm not mistaken, this was um, Sho. Toriano, and I believe Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, let me just make sure I got all that correct. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. Yep, Ishii, uh, Sho, and Yano. And against Toromu, Naito, um, and who else? And uh, of course, Shingo. In terms of the interaction between Sho and Shingo, they did excellent. In giving these, oh my goodness, I forgot I was on vibrate. My apologies, y'all. If you've been listening to the vibrate, my apologies. It's been a, it's been a couple of weeks, so forgive me if I've been, you know, slacking them on, slacking them on pimping. Um, Chauffeur Shingo. Personally, between you and I is one of those matches that I didn't know I need until it came in front of my face. That actually came out wrong. Oh my God. I'm a, yep. See, I knew I was going to say something stupid. It was one of those things where, you know, you weren't expecting this kind of match to happen until it happened. And, you know, show is technically a junior heavyweight, but with an ever open weight championship, weight classes don't matter. And now Shingo being a former junior heavyweight moving up to heavyweight, which was uh, which I think is one of the best decisions that Takagi has made in his career in terms of being in New Japan. Their interaction during this matchup was great. It was good to see Hiromu. Honestly, overall, it was really just good to see some New Japan, y'all. I'm not going to front. It was just really cool to see, you know, some of my favorites, of course, Tanahashi, a.k.a. Japanese John Cena, um, Okada, Naito, Shing. I'm a mind y'all. I'm a bit. I became a huge fan of Shingo Takagi in 2019 uh, when he first came onto the scene and became a full-on member of uh, Lij. And I talked about him at length. I broke down. Uh, of course, we went on his Wikipedia. I broke down his history. He was a big deal before he even got to New Japan. Multiple titles across multiple promotions. He is a big fucking deal. Do not be surprised. And I'm calling it right now. I say 2021, 2021 will be one hell of a year for Shingo Takaki. Mark my fucking words. 
wow, 35, oh, damn near 35 minutes. I almost, and that was the first time I said a cuss word. Mark my words. Takagi, 2021, he's going to be a big fucking deal. I would not be surprised if he's gunning for Intercontinental Championship gold. I'm calling it right now. Takagi's going to be gunning for the Intercontinental Championship in 2021. He is a heavyweight now. He can gun for that championship. I think he'll have a solid run with the Never Open Week Championship. I think he will. I think that will... This, honestly, with Takagi as Never Open Week Champion, this is kind of, I say this is kind of the best way to get him familiar with being a heavyweight, you know, and facing names like a show. Beating Goto for the championship. You know, that was, and that was a straight-up banger of a match. If you have not seen Hiroki Goto versus Shingo Takagi for the Never Open Weight Championship, do yourself a fucking favor and watch that match. You want to talk about two dudes willing to beat the shit out of each other to become, to either retain or become Never Open Weight Champion? Shit. You can, that gave me Suzuki Ishii vibes all day long. And I love, and y'all know me, I loves me some Suzuki versus Ishii, okay? And if you've never seen a Suzuki versus Ishii match, um, A, you played yourself, and B, um, you played yourself. Great shit. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, in terms of, you know, with Hiromu and Naito getting their sh- getting their numbers in, they did everything, they did, they hit their numbers. Yano, I'm gonna tell y'all real quick, Toru Yano in New Japan is what our truth is in WWE. I don't think for I don't think he has ever held it as far as in the five six years I've been watching New Japan. I think it's been five years. I have not for once seen Yano hold a championship. Period. But I can say he beat John Moxley. I can say that Yano has beaten John Moxley in a one on one matchup G one climax. It happened. It was by countout, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But he did it. I can say that out loud with confidence. <laughs> but Yano is Yano, man. And, you know, what I also love, too, and I know for the most, for right now with coronavirus going on and all that, um, some of the talents, and two in particular, would be Bushi and Yano. They usually do spraying of water. Now, going on right now, not the best of ideas. But Yano's was more unique than Bushi's. Bushi's usually is up on the corner, sitting up there, arms crossed, and then he would usually spit out water. Coronavirus right now can't really be doing that. Yano, in his comedic ways, which I love, had a water bottle, had a spray bottle, where he would usually spit out water and then throw the water as, as opponents to piss them off. He had a spray bottle and did the, and used that as his, like, you know, spring of water in the air. I thought it was clever as fuck. I thought it was super clever. I loved it personally. I fucking love, I love, I secretly love me some Yano. I do. Yano-san, you, you have my vote. Plus he's the chaos, you know, DVD producer, uh, Mr. Hokkaido, ambassador, dude. I, I, I can't translate Japanese worth a fucking damn. But I heard Hokkaido and dude had a sash on like he just won a pageant. So, I'm just going to go with the fact that he is the true ambassador of Hokkaido. Um, if I'm wrong, let me know. We are a learning program. We learn here. We learn things. We take the information in. We keep that in our heads. And you never know when it's going to come up in conversation. But I think, and of course, Ishii does Ishii, Ishii shit. Like, it, it's just, you know, it's light work for Ishii. I'm going to come in there. I'm going to beat your ass. 
If I lose, I lose. If I win, cool. Lit. But this was, you know, basically both of these tag matches set up for Shingo versus Sho and the uh, Tanahashi and Ibushi uh, ZSJ Taichi matchups. All around, loved it. Both mat- both tag matches were great, real fun to watch. You know, Ishii, you know, chopping a- and, and Hiromu trading chops. Yano being weird, um, you know, going into the corner and ripping off the uh, turnbuckle like he normally does in his comedic fashion. This was just fun. This was honestly a fun show. Even seeing the Young Lions, Suji, Gabriel Kidd, Uomura, um, shout out to those guys. They really did a fantastic job. Out of the three, personally, I say Gabriel Kidd, out of the Young Lions that were involved in both weekend, in the entire weekend for both shows, I say Gabriel Kidd had the best performance. If I had to choose a Young Lions MVP, and since I am young, since I am Mr. YLP and a young, you know, the Young Lion of the uh, Wrestling Malicious Podcast, I will hand out a Young Lions MVP to Gabriel Kidd. And you, and for those of you who have seen Gabriel Kidd wrestle outside of New Japan, I was thoroughly happy with seeing Gabriel. I'm thoroughly happy with seeing Gabriel Kidd in New Japan. I kind of got that same. Fe- this is the same feeling I got when Juice Robinson came into New Japan. It kind of gives me that kind of vibe. Not chills because the AC is on. It gives me the vibes of like, Juice Robinson could have just easily came into the New Japan roster as just a regular talent. But the one thing he wanted to do was come up through the dojo and become who he is now, Juice Robinson. And for that, you got to commend, commend dude for it. Also the fact that he's dating Tony Storm. I ain't mad at you, player. Oh, yeah, we seen the Instagram post. I seen it. I seen it. Feel me? But Gabriel Kidd kind of gives you the same vibe that Juice Robinson gave me when he first came into the dojo. This kid is special. No pun intended. This kid is special. And he can go. He faced, it was the, he took on Kojima, Tenzon. All right? Was it, you know, I think... Me personally, and I do love Suji and Uramura. I love those guys. I'm big fans of those two as well. I think those two are going to have great careers in, in New Japan. More so, I think uh, Suji is a, little, is a little bit further along than Uramura is, but I love them both the same. But I think for my money, Gabriel Kidd was the MVP for the Young Lions. He absolutely killed it with both performances. And the crowd seemed to really gravitate towards him, um, even as the guy Jin. They really gravitated towards him. And that in and of itself really shows that kid coming through the New Japan Dojo is going to pay dividends for this dude after he comes back from excursion and get once we get, you know, once he's allowed to, once they're allowed to actually go outside of Japan and go to places like Rev Pro and over maybe Evolve, Ring of Honor. Kid's got, kid is money. Kid is money. Suji is money. Yuomura is money. But right now, I say right now, Gabriel, and especially with the LA Dojo and the Tokyo Dojo, this is going to this new the endeavor that New Japan is going on with the new with the new uh, New Japan Young Lions. I say right now, man, they are going to have some wonderful talent coming up from both dojos in the near future. So that's going to conclude my review of New Japan Cup Final. Saturday. 
Now I know I know you were expecting a good, the bad, and the ugly, but I think in this case, we just want to review. So now you get an idea of what I'm going to be doing. When we come back, okay, we're going to be talking about, of course, a show that's near and dear to my heart. I like the, the a, a show that I like even more than Wrestle Kingdom, and that is Dominion Sunday. And boy, did we get some fucking bangers. Of course, y'all know I'm going to be talking about Shingo Takagi versus Show for the Never Open Weight Championship, the Golden Aces taking on the Dangerous Tackers, and of course, the IWGP Heavyweight and our Continental Double Championship match. Stay tuned! We'll be right back. And we are back. Episode 227 of the YLP Podcast, talking about, of course, a midsummer weekend dream. Talking about New Japan Cup Final and NJPW Dominion from this past weekend. Before we get into uh, Dominion talk, um, first and foremost, I want to let you guys know, of course, you can go check out teespring.com slash the dash ylp collection it is some swanky ass merch for the summer of course got my own collection over on teespring as well as the other members of the wrestle attic radio family i uh, got a collection for of course men women and the young cubs out there as well as accessories um for the fellas y'all know i got y'all tank tops t-shirts um for the ladies i got y'all some boyfriend t-shirts um flowy tank tops, leggings for those of y'all, you know, let's get right with the gym and just want to look good when you're out, you out with your people so you just want to look cute, cute but um, for the young cubs out there, I got t-shirts for toddlers and kids and for the accessories, of course I have uh, accessories such as coffee mugs tapestries, beach towels organic tote bags, socks because you know those YLP socks are absolute fire um Again, teespring.com slash d-ylp-collection. As well as the pride collection we have over on teespring.com. Um, it is now a permanent fixture over on teespring.com over there. I know and thank you to everybody who uh, participated in uh, last month's um, spiel with the uh, pride t-shirts. All the proceeds going to the Trevor Project. That specializes in crisis intervention for the uh, LGBTQ, LGBTQIA community. Hey, been a while since I've said that, so unfortunately I didn't get it on the first try. But um, we do appreciate you know the Trevor Project supporting us in that movement last month, as well as every single one of y'all who bought yourselves a Pride T-shirt. Of course, in all logos, we've kept it. We are going to be keeping it, and as an extension of the Russell Attic Radio Teespring stores. Uh, also, you can check out the King Ricky Rose Collection. The HBIC collection, the Game Changer Podcast collection, um, as well as the Fretzelmania collection and the Light Show collection. Always good stuff, always happiness and good vibes. All that good stuff. Teespring.com slash Wrestle Addict Radio. Now let's get into a little bit of news before we discuss Dominion. 
and this just came down the pike. Uh, I did see it a little while ago on Twitter as well as uh, news coming out. And this is from F4WOnline.com. And if you are a fan of Monday Night Raw, then uh, this news may not make you feel good in the morning. Excuse me. This actually, this news actually just came down the pike a little over four hours ago. WWE Raw draws lowest viewership in show history. It's one thing to have one of the worst shows viewership-wise in history, but to have the lowest viewership in the show's history between you and me, never a good feeling. But let's get into this article from Dave Meltzer. There were slices of good news, but it was mostly very bad news when it came to the Raw's ratings last night. Raw averaged 1.56 million viewers over the three hours. The lowest in modern history. In 18 to 49 demographic, the show averaged 8.48, the second lowest in the entire history of the show. The previous record audience low was May 4th, which did 1.68 million viewers in a 0.46 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. The positives, positives are the audience skewed skew younger, as the demo number was only down 2% from last week, while viewers overall were down 7% from last week's show, which was the second lowest audience and demo of all time. The other positive and negative relates to audience drop. Like last week, the second hour beat the first hour, and the first hour to third hour audience drop was only 5%, one of the lowest figures of the last year. The problem was that the audience at the start was the lowest ever, and that all three hours set record lows for those hours. 1.5 million viewers for hour three broke the all-time low hour mark of 1.55 million for the third hour on May 4th. Raw was fourth overall in 18 to 49 behind 90 Day Fiance, below Deck Mediterranean and 90 Day Other Way. It was first in males 18 to 49 and males 12 to 17. Overall, Raw was 28th overall for the night and fifth among non-news shows. It was down 36% from last week, last year, from the same week last year in total viewers and 40% down in 18 to 49. Virtually, all the second to third hour drop was over 50, hence the demo not declining much as the overall. Now, the overall for the three hours were uh, the 8 p.m. hour was 1.58 million, 9 p.m. was 1.6 mil, and by the 10 o'clock hour, it dropped down to an embarrassing... 1.5 million. Now, as most of y'all do know, I do not watch Raw whatsoever um, for reasons that I can easily explain, but I think you've pretty much caught the gist of why I despise Raw. It does nothing for me. It It, it is just an embarrassment of a show. And... To say I am shocked that this has become where it is now. Now, a lot of people would probably say, you know, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's only, you know, they still beat, you know, they still beat the AEW. But think about that. When you only have 1.5 million people watching your show, overall, that is an embarrassment to the show, it should be looked at as an embarrassment. The lowest viewership in show 
history is nothing more than an actual embarrassment. For those of y'all, I don't watch Raw. It insults my intelligence. It really is an eyesore. And it is quite the chore to be to have to watch that. Which is why I don't watch it in the first place because I don't want my intelligence insulted. Do I feel sorry for Monday Night Raw? No. Do I feel any sort of empathy for them? No. I don't. I honestly don't. And neither should you. Neither should you. You honestly should feel, if you are a fan of Monday Night Raw and you're getting, you know, what we saw... I mean, I don't know what happened. It's it, it's just it's just really, really. And, and, and let's be real with ourselves. I mean, yes, it is still over a million. You know, it's still you know over one. You know, it's a one point five. But most more often than not, if it was like an NXT show. Or an AEW show that was a 1.5 mil, we would be honestly going bananas because that was probably more likely the greatest show in the history of either promotion. With Raw, it's a bit different for the simple fact that this is supposedly the flagship show. Now, knowing that SmackDown is not the flagship show and can barely maintain 2 million viewers, it is it is bad. Now, with the whole Heyman deal and him getting ousted from his position as executive director of Monday Night Raw, um, that really put the onus on Bruce Pritchard to pick up the slack and try to create shows for Monday and Friday. And I was reading a couple of reports and, you know, he is running himself ragged. He is literally running himself ragged trying to create a show every single week to captivate an audience. It's bad. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what to think. You know, now, now they're hitting territory. This is territory we have not seen before. It, it is quite embarrassing. I, I honestly don't know the thing. I, I, I honestly don't know. I really don't. I don't know what to think. And I don't know how any of us should think right now. If you are a fan of Raw and you hear this number, I don't know how you can do You can't defend this. This is indefensible now. Quite indefensible. WWE needs to figure some shit out. They really need to figure some shit out. And if they don't, we're gonna they're gonna have some problems and the, the number can actually start to go lower. 1.4, 1.3, 1.2. We don't know. We don't know how low they can go with this. But the show needs to get better. 
Again, y'all know I don't watch Raw. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to take for Raw to get back into the good graces with the numbers. Because now you were really at true rock bottom. This is territory that we have never seen before with the likes of Monday Night Raw. And I don't know what it's going to take for them to get out of this hole. I don't I don't know what it's going to really going to take for them to get out of this. I, I hope they figure out something. I really don't know what it's going to take. I just don't know. I, I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I really don't know. I, I, I don't know what it's going to take. Because it, it, they need to get their act together. I don't know. But 1.56 mil. We don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Hopefully they start to get their shit together. But let us go from a negative to a positive and talk about Dominion from this past Sunday and like in the last segment um, we're going to talk about the most important matches that were on the card the three of course being Shingo Takagi taking on show for the Never Openweight Championship the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Titles were on the line with the Golden Aces uh, the team of Tanahashi and Ibushi taking on the Dangerous Techers the team of Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. And then, of course, the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Double Championship matchup between Tetsuya Naito defending the championships against Evil. Now, in terms of the most important thing from Dominion Sunday, we have a new IWGP Heavy Q and Intercontinental Double Champion. And his name is Evil. Now, Between you and me, as, as I said in the last segment, I had seen Evil as a true upper mid-carder in terms of, like, you know, fighting for the Never Openweight titles, the Intercontinental Championship. I never really saw him as a main event top guy in the company. But with everything that's going on with the coronavirus in pretty much around the world, um, especially in Japan, where they're trying to really take care of business, but they're really doing a supreme job in terms of maintaining, you know, um, fans wearing masks at the shows, temperature checks, keeping the capacity to a low number. I believe, like I said, it was like 500 or some odd, something like that, trying to, you know, start very slow. Um, but those people got a treat with Naito versus Evil. Of course, going back to what we spoke about in the last segment, um, with Evil turning on Naito and becoming Bullet Club, um, it was going to be interesting to see how he would go about as a solid heel. Fans, of course, in proper fashion, despise Evil, given the fact that he screwed over Naito, turned on Naito, turned his back on Los Ingobernables de Japón, and became a member of Bullet Club after he defeated Okada 
to win the New Japan Cup and get the shot at the IWGP, you know, just that it was a great moment. And now evil is now the top guy in new Japan. So how do we honestly feel about it after processing it 48 hours and really wrapping my head around the fact that evil is now bullet club evil is now the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental double champion. I do have some mixed feelings about it. And I'll start with the positives quickly. They now have pushed Evil into becoming the top guy in the company, which is a very big shock for a good portion of us. And And now, with that, you know it, it. You know they've New Japan has to realize with with its, with the uh, roster they have right now. You know they don't have their full roster. I guarantee you, if we had a complete full roster, everybody involved in the tournament, the booking would be a little bit different. I guarantee you that. I wouldn't know. I don't know who would be in the final at this point. I had I saw the bracket and I'm thinking, you know. It was very wide open. It was quite wide open, and I wasn't really exactly sure who would be coming in the final. Now, with the entire, you know, evil heel turn and all this stuff, I have to say, I was thoroughly impressed with the fact that, you know, they really are taking a chance on evil to become a big deal and a major player in the company. It's a big move. It's a big chance. a risk that they're willing to take. And I can rock with that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they maneuver evil throughout the remainder of the year. I will more than likely guarantee that he will be the champion going into Wrestle Kingdom in January, on January 4th, 2021. Who comes out of the G1 Climax? I don't know. Quick bet would just say Naito, and he finally gets his titles back over Evil. Given the fact that everything he's gone through to, you know, with the story of him wanting to become the first ever double champion in the company's history, did that, defeated um, Okada in the fight in the in, on day two, and defeating Jay White to retain the Intercontinental Championship in order to face Okada, who defeated Ibushi. Uh, in the second, in the other matchup, to now, you know, defeating Kenta after new, after he got attacked by Kenta at New Year's Dash, defeating him at uh, the New Beginning in Osaka, if I'm not mistaken, and then unfortunately coronavirus happened. And in his only second title defense, he drops the championships to Evil. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really, 
I really, I really don't know what to think about this with, you know, Nitro dropping his championships in only a second title defense of both belts. I was thinking in my head they were going to go Okada Naito in a rematch and maybe evil screwing over Okada or Naito becoming Bullet Club and then him being becoming the next challenger for the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental championships. That would have made a little bit more sense to me. In terms of evil now being brought up to the main event scene and now being the double champion, the negatives on it are, are, are quite astounding. And given the fact that uh, Dick Togo um, was the one to interfere during the matchup, uh, playing off as Bushi and trying to help Naito for like two seconds before he screwed, before he uh, had this, what I guess, uh, I don't know what they call it, but um, whatever weapon he used to choke out Naito, the ending of the match itself was kind of lackluster. You know what I'm saying? I mean, during the matchup, you had, of course, uh, let me see. Let me just pull this up real quick. Do, 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 Talking about the IWGP titles. Love it. I just want to, I was trying to remember who. Do, 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 do. I know this is bad radio, as usual, but it'd be what it be. Because I know Hiromu got involved. I believe it was Yujiro and Ishimori who were the ones that got involved. And Hiromu... No, it was Jado and Ishimori. My apologies. And then Hiromu came in for the save. Then you had Dick Togo come out, playing as Bushi, and pretty much taking out Naito. There were a lot of good moments, though, through this match. Um, the super shine breaker through the table for, um, or, or should I say shin breaker, my apologies, um, through the table for evil, putting Naito through the table, um, him really working on over, um, Naito's knee throughout the matchup. I thought that was a really, really, I don't know. I mean. That was, and I guess that was a cool moment. Um, that was a really good part of the storyline, like story of the matchup itself. Um, having, you know, Milano get you know messed with by Evil. You know, of course, Milano AT was a, is a was a huge fan of uh, Evil, and their interaction was pretty solid. When uh, Evil come came over to the commentary table. Um, taking the toy scythe from Milano, breaking it, throwing the pieces back at Milano, Milano jumping the rails. He then kicks Milano, whipping him into the barricade and, um, really showing his, uh, you know, going into full heel mode. Um, like I said, you know, Milano AT was a huge advocate for, um, evil, you know, during his run to the IWGP heavyweight intercontinental championships. It seemed to me that, you know, they were really, really trying to play him up as a heel. And they did enough to get me to believe that, okay.
So, again, with, you know, Evil now being full-on heel, and him, you know, screw, you know, fucking over Milano AT, really going after the knee of Naito, um... I don't know. I mean, it, time will tell if Evil, being the top guy in the company right now, will be the right call. It'll take some time for me to, you know, really wrap my head around the fact that, especially going into next week, you know, and now knowing that uh, Hiromu Takahashi, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, uh, Junior Heavyweight Champion, challenging Evil to a match at, um, I believe it was... Uh, I forget which actually show it's called, but, um, so let's just talk about what happened after the match real quick, and then we'll get into the other matchups. Um, so from chairshot.com, let's see, uh, Hiromo comes out, you know, uh, after, uh, Togo and Evil stop Naito, Romo rushes back in, shields Naito while the Young Lions send it a former double champion, Evil and Togo stick together while the Young Lions get Naito out. Hiromo grabs the mic and says, Oi, Evil! How does it feel? What does it feel like to betray your friends? I want to hear your response. Evil doesn't say a word. I don't care about anything else. Just what you are thinking. Now, now, now. Evil remains silent. He says, in that case, I have one favor to ask. Let me challenge you for those belts you just took. But if you're afraid to do that, just put one or the other up. Evil gets back in the ring, grabs the microphone, and then drops it and walks away. What I will say, though, Evil's gear was different. I liked it. Evil's music, I liked it. You know, you see Hiromu at the end, raging, screaming, running around, trying to come to terms that Evil is now no longer part of L.I.J., and, he, and beat his former leader. I, I mean... I am just, you know, blown away with um, how they're going to go about this from here on out. Again, Evil's now heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion. Arumu's now getting the next shot. And I believe next week, on the 25th, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to be getting Hiromu and Evil one-on-one for the double championship. I don't think Hiromu's going to be the one to take it. I think it's going to be a while before we see Evil drop the championships. It'll just be a matter of, I mean, I'm sure he'll be running through... It's hard to wrap my head head around it. So we'll see how it goes with Evil now as the double champion in NJPW. 
And we'll see how that matchup goes between Evil and Hiromu going forward. Getting into the Never Openweight Championship matchup for a moment. I have to say, Show, you did that, man. You are, you absolutely kill it. And Show really came to play against uh, Shingo. This was a battle. A literal battle. A war of attrition, if you will. These two, I mean, throughout the entire weekend, And, man, I was so thoroughly impressed with Show's performance um, on Sunday. So much so that he is truly, definitely an MVP consideration. That's how good his performance was. Shingo did retain the Never Openweight Championship, but, man, these two put everything on the line to try to get that championship. Thoroughly happy with the performance of both Show's strength in this matchup was on full display. A deadlift German? That deadlift German was nasty. Okay? The sliding lariat, of course. I mean, they really they really went back and forth. It wasn't like they were going to have Show look like an underdog. In New Japan, in the strong style that they have, they really believe in that warrior spirit, the Bushida. And they really, really allowed show to shine here. Both men shine. Don't get don't get it twisted. Both men shine. And I was thoroughly happy with the with the performance of both. But something about show, y'all. I know he's one half of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. And him and Yo, Rapongi 3K, do are some one of the best tag teams in the world to me personally. And in terms of the juniors, I wouldn't say best tag team in the world, period. But in terms of, you know, the smaller, lighter weight guys, they are, they are there's a reason why they are the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Show as a solo guy, he had a great tournament. He really did, he did a, he did a, a, a true service to himself. Just blown. I was blown away by this match. I was thoroughly blown away. And how? I mean, just just sheer will for show. They they really put a. They really really, you know. I was thoroughly happy. Thoroughly happy. Very, very clean with it. Very, very pleased with the matchup. After the matchup, um, Desperado attacks Shingo at the stage. Um, picks up the Never Openweight Championship, smashes Shingo with it, 
Uh, the Young Lions trying to get Desperado to stop. Shingo gets slapped around by Desperado. Oi! Champion, what's wrong? Desperado is now the next challenger to Shingo Takagi's Never Open Win Championship. So next week, we're going to be getting, of course, Shingo versus Desperado for the Never Open Weight title, more than likely. Um, actually, I'm going to pull, I can see if I can uh, pull the cards up real quick. Let us go to njp1972.com. Because I'm sure they are. Okay, never mind. I lied. I can't spell. There we go. I put njp Okay. All right. Let's see if we can pull up the schedule really quick. So, let me see here. So, for New Japan Road, um, on Monday, they're really coming. They're really coming quick with these. So we get Kojima and Tenzan. It's uh, Tenkoji taking on Uemura and Suji in a tag matchup. Gabriel Kidd, Ryusuke Taguchi, Tomaki Homa, and Togi Makabe taking on Sho, Yoshihashi, Toruyano, and Tomohiro Ishii in an eight-man tag. Sanada and T- Shingo Takagi versus Doki and El Desperado setting up for Takagi versus Desperado um, next Friday. We have Goto and Okada taking on Gato and Yujiro Takahashi, the two men that screwed over Okada's chances of facing Naito for the uh, uh, double championship. Let me see here. Okay, I can't find the bar. I'm retarded. Yep, I'm special. We then have Master Watto. Yuji Nagata, Kota Ibushi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on uh, Kanemaru. Suzu- Minoru Suzuki makes his return to NJPW. He was supposed to be on uh, this weekend shows, uh, but he felt a little bit under the weather. Wasn't It's not coronavirus-related, um, thank goodness. But he will be on the card this coming Monday, teaming up with Zack Sa- the new IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi in an eight-man tag. Bushi! Naito and Takahashi in the main event take on Taiji Ishimori, Dick Togo, and Evil in a preview of Takahashi versus Evil for the double championship. Um, Actually, it's on Saturday. My apologies. Next Saturday. Let's, let's see what the matchups look like for that. Oh, excuse me. Just had some food. My apologies. Stag chili and rice. Very quick combo. Um, for Sengoku Lord in Nagoya, uh, the card will look something like this. Uemura taking on Ishimori. Uh, we have a eight-man tag with uh, Taguchi, Kojima, Hanma, and Makabe taking on Gabriel Kidd, Yotasuji, Toruyano, and Tomohiro Ishii. Um, we then have a six-man tag between Sho, Yoshihashi. Actually, um, now, we uh, there was some news... That um, so let me see. Uh, show Yoshihashi, and as of right now, um, we know that Yoshihashi have had a uh. A little bit of an injury during the tournament. Um, his knee kind of got messed up, and he was trying to do a particular move in the corner. And uh, unfortunately, his knee's down. He uh, is still on the card, 
as far as we know. But uh, it remains to be seen what's going to go down. But as far as we know, Sho Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto are taking on Bushi, Sanada, and Tetsuya Naito on the card. We then also have a 10-man tag with Master Wato, Hiroshi Tenzan, Yuji Nagata, Kota Ibushi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Duki, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Tai Chi going on there. Um, a special match uh, between Okada and Yujiro Takahashi. We have, of course, the never open weight championship match between Shingo Takagi uh, and his third title defense against El Desperado. And then in the main event, the IWGP Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental W Championship matchup between Evil and Hiromu Takahashi. That seems like a very fun couple of days during the week. But let's get back into the swing of things. And I'll end, of course, end on a good note with a heavyweight tag team title tilt between the Golden Aces, the team of Tanahashi and Ibushi, taking on the Dangerous Tackers, the team of Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, This was a very solid tag team title match between four guys who can go in the ring. The team of Tanahashi and Ibushi was a very interesting uh, combo to me. Two big-name top guys. You know, two... This, this, these guys were just fantastic. This was a fantastic title match. You know, they really, really, really impressed me. And I'm sure the rematch will be coming soon. Um, if not, uh, I'm sure they'll be, the Golden Aces may team up again uh, in World Tag League. You know, just wow. That's how, that's how much I got. I'm just like very shocked, you know, with, you know, everything they did. This was just so much fun. And, I, and I'm a big fan of Zack Sabre Jr. Um, tai Chi is really... You know... My apologies, I'm sending a text. I'm sorry. Very bad form for me. But when you put this, I, I wasn't expecting a team like Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. to become the top contenders for the championship, nor did I think they would actually win, actually win the titles. I thought they, you know, they would have given a little bit more for Tanahashi and Ibushi, but you gotta think. Um... Excuse me. I'm sorry, Marley. Don't worry, I'll get to you in a moment. 
but this wasn't one of those like matchups where, again, you know, you didn't know what you were going to get out of it. And when you and when you watch the match itself, my goodness, you I was thoroughly impressed. I was thoroughly happy with everything. You know, you know the interaction between Abushi and Zack Saber Jr. was fire. Um, Tanahashi and Tai Chi, their interaction was dope. Uh, interaction between all four guys is great. And the crazy part was, and the best part was, Saber Jr. and Tai Chi won on their own. They had no help from Suzuki Gun whatsoever. You know, man, just I'm, I'm just really. That's how impressed I was. It's like really hard for me to get out these words. You know, just everything about the title match. I think that was one of the more impressive matchups. Honestly, in terms of best match on the card, I would choose the type the tag title match over the main event. Seriously. You know? Just just oh my goodness. You know, that, you know, it was one of those great things to be thoroughly happy with. This match was the best match on Dominion's card on Sunday. 100%. 100% great stuff. And that's not going to change my mind. It's not going to change my mind whatsoever. You know? Just 100% everything was great. Just clearly, you know, it's one of those things where you're thoroughly happy with what you see that it's hard to speak. It's one of those things, you know, you're just like, man, that was that was just that impressive. And you know, with four guys like that, especially with Tanahashi, you know, running in the tag ranks. It's just really, I'm really liking how New Japan is really playing around with the the tag teams, you know. The Golden Aces? Never expected to see that in 2020. You know, just thoroughly, they're really doing some experimental shit in 2020 with New Japan. You know, really playing around with certain things now. Of course, now you got Evil as the top guy. You have, you know... You know, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi as tag champs. A banger between Sho and Shingo. 
uh, the young lions really putting in that effort. You know, just just seeing you know everything that's going on right now. They're really putting. They're really trying to do something different and trying to be creative. And I think that was the big theme of the weekend is that. NJPW is basically saying, we want to try something different. And we're going to try some things that may, you know, shock you. And my goodness, they are really hitting the mark. And I'm, you know, especially with what's going on right now with the world, with coronavirus and everything, you know, they're really trying to give us something that we can really sink our teeth into, like a very thick New York strip. Which actually, what I actually I had just had that for dinner last night. Um, <laughs> but really, just fantastic stuff. Again, a Midsummer's Weekend Dream, something we didn't expect. And I think that's what we're what we're really enjoying. At least I enjoyed it personally. You know, sometimes being a little bit more creative and being experimental does lead to some good things. And overall, I think this came out to be a solid weekend for New Japan, getting back into the swing of things. New Japan is back full, well, not in full because they don't have the majority of their roster. Of course, the outside uh, outside of the uh, Japanese roster that they have, you know, of course, the Ospreys and the Cobbs and the Moxleys and all that. But with what they had, with what they used throughout, the, of course, the New Japan Cup tournament and what happened this weekend, I'd say, honestly, they did a really good job. They did a great job in keeping us captivated with matches that I think really set up for Sunday. And Sunday, we got a shock victory. We now have a new double champion, new tag champs, a banger between Sho and Shingo. Uh, looking forward to what's going to be happening in the future uh, throughout the remainder of July going into August. And then come September, we get G1. Hopefully, we're able to see, you know, the Ospreys, the Cobbs, and all those guys come back into the fold and be able to rock with them. Because I don't think they're going to be able to really do the tournament justice if it's simply just the heavyweights they have there, the junior heavyweights, and just the young Lions. I don't, I, you know, with that, the G1 is more is a more prestigious tournament than that. But yeah, I mean, I'm very, really impressed. Just, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. I'm, 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 I'm very excited to see what happens. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude, of course, talking about New Japan Cup and Dominion. When we come back, of course, even though this wasn't the real good, the bad, and the ugly, we are going to hand out some awards, of course. Match of the night, worst match of the week, uh, I should say match of the weekend, worst match of the weekend. Actually, we're not going to do a worst match of the weekend because, honestly, you know, it was a lot of tag matches, a lot of things to get into. Um, But we'll go with match of the weekend, top three matches of the weekend. We'll do our MVP, and we'll, of course, give our final grade for the Midsummer Weekend 
dream that was New Japan Cup and Dominion. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Some awards. It is our awards segment of the program. And I really love it. I do love enjoying doing these. Um, actually, this is actually my favorite part of the show where I'm able to, you know, just give you my thoughts on who I thought had the best match of the weekend, um, who I thought personally was the MVP of the weekend, and of course, the most important thing, the final grade. For a midsummer weekend dream. Now, again, in terms of the top three matches of the weekend, I'm only gonna do. I'm only gonna go from the six matches that we pretty much talked about um, this episode. I'm not gonna go with anything else. I'm not gonna go with any of the, the multi-man tag matches because the simple fact that, well. Um, this, these six matches were the most important matches of the show, and pretty much of the, of the entire weekend, to be perfectly honest. Excuse me. And um, there's no need to worry about anything else but the six matches that we have going on. So let's get into the top three matches of the weekend, starting at number three. Number three. Yeah, I'm looking just to make sure I have everything up there. Number three. I'm going to go with the New Japan Cup Finals. Between Kazuchika Okada and Evil. I know it may be a shock to you. I'm sure some of you would think this was the best match of the weekend, but for some reason, I really can't wrap my head around having this matchup be the top match of the weekend. And I know there are two matches better than this. Now, this does this does make a list for the simple fact that A, it, is, it was the finals to determine the next number one contender for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. Um, the match itself, I think, was really good. I thought it was a supreme... I thought it was a really good match between Okada and Evil. And they've had many matches before. So it's not as if they, these two haven't... That was their first... This was their first radio facing each other in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Ring. Let that be known. But, this match had true significance. The uh, ending, of course, uh, did kind of help the cause into having us believe that Takahashi and Gato were out to simply screw over Okada. Uh, for those of you who don't know, last year, Gato um, screwed over oh, uh, Okada. Um, actually turned on Okada. And he actually joined Bullet Club with Jay White. So, if you are understanding of that, then you already knew that, you already had that thought that, oh man, you know, Gato screwing over Okada once again. But when it came down to it, and Evil beat Okada, we did get that proper heel turn 
from evil. Personally, you know, this was a it was a definite swerve. And that that in and of itself was fantastic. I think they really did this well. But yeah, I definitely think this would be properly placed at number three. Um, because there are two matches better than Okada and Evil. And at number two, I'm going to give it to Shingo Takagi versus Sho for the Never Openweight Championship at Dominion. This was, I think personally, this was a proper breakout performance by Sho. That's not to say Takagi didn't have a banger of a performance because he really did. Both guys really came out to play in this matchup. They came out to play. They went hard in the paint. They beat the living hell out of each other. And this was this was my kind of match. This was easily my kind of match. This could have easily been the match of the weekend, and I really would have been perfectly fine with it. Um, like I said, this was this was probably show's best performance in New Japan to date. For Shingo, light work everyday shit. He goes hard, he goes hard in the paint, and he, bat, and he always battles. But for show to be able to have the kind of performance he had on Sunday. This is why I put this match in my top three. It was that damn good. And I was thoroughly happy with the result. Takagi retains, but Sho really showed himself, really showed New Japan what he's got. This turned out to be one of my favorite matches of the weekend. Um, I was thoroughly happy with everything that went down with it. And... My match of the weekend. And we talked about it in the last segment. I'm going to hand that award to Tanahashi and Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships at Dominion this past Sunday. This was my kind of tag match. Tag team, tag team matchup with strong style action. Listen, this was my kind of matchup. Two guys, the, te- the, the likes of Ibushi and Tanahashi, coming together as a team and having to deal with the likes of Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr., giving them fits throughout the entirety of the New Japan Cup tournament. And then we were given the tag match that we got. I, man, y'all, this was... This was just really a, a really solid back and forth from beginning to end. Every man really had their moments in this matchup. All four men really came out to play. I was one. I was just really pleased with with how this matchup came about. And again, Tai Chi and Zack Saber Jr. won on their own. No shenanigans. Nothing of the sort. Nothing like that. You know. And it was just, you know, yeah, I was, I was just very happy. Just, just thoroughly pleased with how this match came about, how they, the story going into the matchup, 
and all that stuff. And at the end, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. are now the IWGP heavyweight tag team champs. And you got to respect that. You know? So, congratulations to Zack Sabre Jr., Tai Chi, Tanahashi, and Kota Ibushi. You guys have earned the YLP Match of the Weekend Award. Now, let us get into the MVP of a Midsummer Weekend Dream. Now, this award... Now, usually when I do MVP awards, it is very hard for me to pick one. Because of the simple fact that, you know, there are so many good performances by all all parties involved in the, in the six matches that we've discussed. And, you know... But sometimes one person really, truly stands out from the rest when all is said and done. And for me... I usually find, I did find that one. And I think I'm really going to be happy with the decision I made. So, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, your Midsummer Weekend Dream MVP goes to none other than the newest member of the Bullet Club, Evil. Some will say this is a cop-out. Some will say, are you out of your mind? But honestly, think about it. Think about the match, the two matches that Evil had had this weekend, right? Not only... Not only... Would you get Evil defeating Okada... Even though there were a little tiny bit of salt-based shenanigans sprinkling on there, if you must. But Evil still had a really solid match against Okada, as he has many times before. You know? Think about that. He had a dope match with Okada, and then comes in... And go and defeat Naito, his former stablemate, to become the new double champion in New Japan. That kind of weekend deserves is deserving of an MVP award. Does it not? I mean, I could I could have picked Show. Show, like I said, was a definitely MVP consideration. I had him at number two. Takagi was Takagi personally was at number three for me. You know? Is I think I think it just makes the most sense when you have a performance like you like Evil did over the weekend, there is no reason for me to even say otherwise. Again, the match I mean, the ending of Night Evil may not have been the best in the world, but still what he what he did, what he really turned it up in the semifinal against Sonata, 
and then really cranked it up against Okada, and then really came into his full heel against Naito. The progression of those three matches, personally, and his, and his performance throughout the entirety of the tournament, really getting into his bag and becoming that true heel, that speaks to me. And I think Evil is deserving of this award. So congratulations to Evil for becoming the Midsummer Weekend Dream MVP. Which leaves us with the final grade. Now, the entirety of both shows was, you know, it was nice. Um... Because there were a lot of tag matches. But again, we're going to focus just on the six matches we discussed. We're not going to worry about any of those because I think, like I said, those aren't really that important. Because it was just it was just a lot of, you know, six, eight-man tags that, you know, we could just not talk, not talk about for about ten minutes. That's perfectly fine. So, if we just look at the... Six matches in general. Just those six matches, and we focus on that. I think we can come up with a solid grade, personally. Now, Dominion Sunday really helped this grade out. It really did. It really helped the grade out. The eight-man tag with Suzuki-kun versus uh, Tanahashi, Ibushi, Nagata, and Taguchi kind of delivers it a little bit. The six-man tag with uh, LIJ and Chaos was really good. Um... Okada Evil was, re- was I thought was a solid matchup. When it comes down to it, I have no problem getting, and I'm doing this combined. I'm not doing this just as separate. I'm doing this as a combined grade. I have no problem giving this weekend a solid B plus. Um, this was a really good weekend for New Japan for their true solid return to their big shows. I am thoroughly, I was thoroughly happy with everything they did for the six matches we discussed. For the main, because they are the main matches, of course. And I, I, I've just been thoroughly happy with the fact that even with a good portion of their roster not in play in terms of the Gaijin, um, they really did more than enough to captivate all of us, all of us who are actually uh, New Japan fans. They did more than enough to keep us, you know, really invested in the weekend itself. And that, in and of itself, is the best thing you could do for a particular weekend. Especially with New Japan just coming back into the true fold with fans, you know. And I have to say it, New Japan did it right with their fans. You know, they really, really stepped up. It was it, it was just a very, very good weekend overall for New Japan. We have a new double champion, new heavyweight tag team champions, a breakout performance with Show against Takagi. You can't get any better than that. You really can't. Dominion really, really, really helped out this grade. 
And I'm thoroughly happy with what we've got. And next week is going to be crazy. Next week is going to be an episode of a good week. Um, a lot of title matches, a lot of big matchups. You know? Just... You know, I think a B plus does is a, is a proper grade for what we got overall this weekend. I'm just don't mind me. I'm just really in. You know, just thinking about all of it. I'm just like really just thoroughly pleased with with everything. You know, I'm just glad that New Japan is fully back into the swing of things. We're gonna get two more shows: uh, New Japan Road and Sengoku Lord uh, in Nagoya this uh, on um, next Monday. And next Saturday, um, I'm really ha- I'm really excited about that. Um, and we'll see what happens. I know there's going to be a few more shows. I think one more show in July. And possibly, and we'll see what happens in August. August is going to be a good month. And going into September, September is going to be a banger of a month. Given the fact that we're going to get the G1 Climax Tournament. I believe it, uh, that will conclude in October. Can't go wrong with that. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude episode 227 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, we're going to end the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 228 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Episode 227 of the YLP Podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are. Thank you guys so much for sharing this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Once again, you can check out this episode, of course, on anchor.fm slash youngwinesperspective, anchor.fm slash wrestleheadradio, and ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Please leave a comment, leave a voice message, let me know what you're thinking about the show, let me know how much you enjoyed today's show, if you hated it, loved it, doesn't matter, all comments are, are cool, all that good stuff, and I'll talk about the other ways you can check out this episode of the podcast later on in this segment okay now that we got that out of the way of course of course of course if you enjoyed this episode do not hesitate to tell a friend tell a friend about the YIP podcast share this episode across all of your social media the Instagrams the Facebooks the Twitters your Gab Parlor you know hit them in the DMs Facebook Messenger, Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs, it doesn't matter. Text message, share this episode across all your social media because y'all know it's been a minute and I'm glad to be back into the swing of things, you know, to get back into this podcasting thing. So I may not be, this may not have been the best episode uh, to come back to, but I hope I, I thoroughly entertained you as much as possible. And of course, in these unprecedented times, I know there's a lot going on in the world, but we here at WrestleMania Radio are here to at least help you find some solace, for, if not only for an hour or two. 
because the lot with the wide open eye, with the wide universe, I should say, and the one nation we here, of course, with the Kings of Rings podcast, the YLP podcast, the Game Changer podcast, everything like Joe with Man Chappelle. Man, feels good to be saying that once again. It really does feel good to say that once again. Not only are we the cure for the common wrestling podcast, but we are absolutely then, now, and forever then alternative professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. Now, I know most of y'all do not have the anchor app, and that's perfectly fine. Not hurting my feelings. I know everybody's got their favorite platform that they want to use for, you know, checking out their podcast and all that good stuff. But if you honestly thought for one damn second that we were simply just, you know, a one-trick pony, well, A, you've already lost, um, because not only do we have ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com and the Anchor app as well, you can find this podcast, the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Game Changer podcast, and of course, the motherfucking delight show with Man Chappelle across several different platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, all right? Make sure we got those two. You're writing it down? Alright. Podcast at Player FM. Podbean. And shout out to the Podbean squad out there. Okay? Always got to show love to the Podbean squad out there. Let's see. Castbox. Overcast. Just want to make sure I cover all my bases. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one. That one. That one. That one. Yeah. Stitcher Radio. No, hold on. Radio Public. I didn't want to forget about that one. Stitcher Radio. And of course, that good old Spotify thing. Search for the YLP Podcast, Kings of the Rings Podcast, the Game Changer Podcast, and of course, the Delight Show with Mitch Pell across all these different platforms. And you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. Again, I'm a bit rusty. It's the first time in almost two weeks I've done this. But bear with me, y'all. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, you can follow me across all my social media platforms. Starting off, as always, with the Twitter. I can be followed over there at Suede Senator War. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R. Capital W, capital A, capital R. I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite, which I'll be doing tomorrow night, which would be very fun times, unless I have a prior engagement to attend to. Every Friday, I do live tweeting for SmackDown, unless either the preview for SmackDown is trash, or I have a prior engagement to (laughs) attend to, Um, (laughs) which most of the time, I've not seen the last two weeks, and they have been, viewership-wise, it has been very fail, um, of course, every WWE live pay-per-view, and I will be doing um, live tweeting for WWE Extreme Rules, the horror show. Apparently, if I remember correctly, it is this Sunday um, on the WWE Network, and that should be very interesting given the card that I'm seeing right now. Uh, every AEW live pay-per-view, of course, there is no um, live pay-per-view going on in the month of July. We still have the fight for the Fallen. Uh, going down tomorrow night, if I'm not mistaken, with Moxley versus Cage for the AEW World Championship, as far as I know, if I'm not mistaken. Every NXT 
and NXT UK live uh, takeover specials. Um, we don't know when the next NXT takeover is going down, but as far as I know, I am still holding out hope for NXT UK takeover Dublin to take place. And that is the hope of mine. Fingers crossed that it does happen. Um, and of course, now that we're back into the swing of things with New Japan, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. It's been done before. I did it back in February with the new beginning in Osaka. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. And I have the tweets to prove it. But yes, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. If you want to follow me over on my Instagram, the mothership of everything that is YLP, you can follow me over there at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. Memes, updates, breaking news, 60 second thought videos, memes, memes, and memes. And if Sunday's episode of, um, if Sunday's episode of, you know, Extreme Rules. If Sunday's pay-per-view Extreme Rules goes to shit, you will be seeing plenty of 60-second thought videos from yours truly. Because I will be in absolutely no mood for any of that whatsoever. Mm. Just putting it out there. Yeah, please, God. Please don't. <laughs> please don't let this show be as bad as I think it's going to be. Anywho. Um, yeah, pretty much you can follow me over there on Instagram. And, of course, you can find me over on Facebook as well. I'm not on there as often, but my Instagram is connected to my Facebook. So, you, all the Instagram posts you also see on Facebook as well. You can find me over there. Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Give the page a follow. Share it with your friends. Uh, we are over 100 followers, and I do appreciate every single one of y'all for showing some love for that. Let's get it up to 200. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the year, we can get that popping. Um. Yeah, follow me on all these platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast. Looking over to the judges to make sure I fulfill all my obligations for the day. And I'm getting a thumbs up for the, from the Japanese judge. Much appreciated. Arigato. So let's talk about tomorrow. Yes, we are back in the swing of things now. Again, this is a different week. Um, it's getting back into the swing of things. Everything will be set back in motion come Monday. But before we get into the best night of the week for professional wrestling... I do want to talk about last week, this week, and that means we get to talk about what happened with last week's episode of NXT, talking about Great American Bash Night 2, and the big-ass double title match, winner take all, between Keith Lee and Adam Cole. I did see it while I was on vacation, because my buddy had Hulu, shout out to my buddy Jake for having Hulu, so I did see the match up, um, probably like on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. That uh, last Thursday. So I have seen the event and I will be able to break all of that down and, of course, get you primed and ready for tomorrow night's episode of NXT. And I'm so excited for that episode 228 going down tomorrow night. Other than that, guys, it is quite late and I know it's a bit later than usual, but a hey, first time back. We might get, you got to get back in the swing of things. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night. And I'll see you guys right back here tomorrow night for episode 228 of the Y. LP Podcast. Trust me, y'all. It's good to be back. See ya! This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.